0: Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today I'm going to share a few breakthrough moments I've had in the last few weeks, thanks to one man, Michael Hyatt. You see, I've been taking his course, Free to Focus, and oh my gosh, it is so good. If you haven't checked out Free to Focus, I'm telling you, I think every entrepreneur should go through this course. That's how good I think it is. But today's episode is not all about his program, Free to Focus. It's really about finding your own freedom and really digging in to make sure that you are working on the projects that will not only move your business forward, but will actually put you in that genius mode, that area that you are firing on all cylinders. You know you're doing the right work because not only are you good at it, but you're passionate about the work as well. So we're going to get into all of that inside of this episode. Now, as I mentioned, I've had a few breakthroughs of my own. And one of those breakthroughs is creating what Michael calls the ideal week. And that's really the bulk of this episode today. We're going to talk about how to create your own ideal week, but there's some things that we need to get really clear about before we actually dive into designing your ideal week. So we're going to cover it all in this episode. Now, I think this episode is a perfect follow-up to a recent episode I did with accountability expert, Carrie Bentley. In episode number 174, which I'll link to in the show notes, Carrie went through the different layers of accountability. Ah, oh, That episode was so good. She was just really insightful around finding accountability in all that you're doing. And we also went over some mindset shifts, some limiting beliefs that might be holding you back from actually completing the projects that you really care about. So I think after clearing your head in that episode and then moving on to this episode, I think they work really well because in this episode, we'll talk about strategy and process and some tools and resources as well, all around you finding more freedom in your business. So I wanted to bring some magic your way because I feel like I have been hoarding this little secret of Michael's program, Free to Focus. And again, I want all my students to dive into it and just start to work smarter in a way that creates a business you absolutely love. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's bring on our guest, Michael Hyatt. Welcome back to the
1: show. Amy I'm delighted to be with you.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here. And this time I want to hone in on your new passion, almost a crusade to help people free up distractions. And I noticed that when you talk about your course, you don't call it productivity now or anything like that, because that's not really what it's about. So what is this mission really about for you?
1: Yeah, it's really about helping people find freedom. And what I noticed was that a lot of productivity models are kind of based on like the 19th century industrial idea of how can we be more efficient and how can we get more and more done. And that's why when people have all these, you know, productivity software packages and smartphones and all these things that are supposed to save us time, it doesn't actually save us time. It actually eats into our time so that we're working more now than ever. So my passion is how can you use productivity, but productivity that leads to more freedom and and really freedom in four specific ways. The freedom to really focus, to do that deep work that moves the needle in your business or in your life. The freedom to be present so that when you're with the people that you love, you're really there not thinking about work or when you're at work, you're not worried about something you left undone at home. Then the freedom to be spontaneous. You know, so for me, when my grandkids come over, you know, I want to be able to drop what I'm doing, spend time with them and not worry that something's having to pay the price in my business. And then finally, now I learned this in Italy this summer because the Italians do this. <laughs> they call it the sweetness of doing nothing, but I oh, call it the freedom to do nothing.
0: I love that.
1: So that's the kind of freedom I'm, I'm after. And productivity is the means to that end. It's not the end itself.
0: The sweetness of doing nothing. I need to remember that. Those Italians, they know what they're talking about, right? Oh, I'm
1: telling you. I fell <laughs> in love with the Italians.
0: I bet. Did you absolutely love that trip? I know you just went for how long?
1: Uh, we were there for three weeks. Three weeks. Every year I take a, a one-month sabbatical where I completely unplug and don't do any work. The only thing I, I posted to Facebook was my pictures from Italy. But we were in Italy for three weeks, mostly in Tuscany. And we just said a whole lot of nothing. And we just... Loved being together and enjoying the Italian countryside and drinking the amazing wines and eating the amazing food. And I I gained three pounds, but it was worth it.
0: (laughs) It was worth every piece of that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Okay. So here's the deal. You also talk about productivity in terms of four zones and how you want to live your life in one particular zone. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So I have something called the Freedom Compass And this is kind of the foundation of my course, Free to Focus, and the really the foundation of how I think about life. So if you kind of uh, imagine a four-quadrant diagram where the axes, one of them is proficiency and one of them is passion. And so the things that you are not proficient at and not passionate about, the things that are just kind of the grind, I call that the drudgery zone. And too many of us spend too much time in the drudgery zone, things we don't like, don't enjoy doing, and we're not very good at it. Well, that's kind of, if you, if you turn this matrix, this four-by-four four matrix, kind of at 90 degrees, it, it actually creates a compass. So that would be due south, the drudgery zone. The opposite of that, things where you're passionate, you love doing these things, you enjoy them, time seems to just flow and you could do it forever, you've got a lot of energy around it, and you're really good at it. I mean, it delivers the results in your business and in your personal life that make life worth living. I call that the desire zone. Now, there's two other zones also. So that's due north. If you look at west, this is where you've got passion about something, but you're not particularly proficient at it. That can be the distraction zone, the realm of escape, where we go when things kind of get... Tough or when we 're not really focused, you know for some people that 's social media. you know if you have to use social media in your business, great, but for a lot of people that 's kind of you know a place to go to escape mm-hmm. and then the opposite of that, east is the disinterest zone, and this is where you have proficiency, but no passion so for example, because i I was in the corporate world and and more recently as the chairman and CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers, I had to get pretty good at the financial aspects of the business. I don't have a finance background, but I got really good at reading financial statements and making presentations to investment bankers and all that, I could do it. I was good at it, but I had zero interest. And the problem is that when you're in the disinterest zone, you get bored. And the secret to really moving the needle in the business, in your business, in your personal life, is to figure out where's your desire zone, where you've really got passion, and proficiency, and try as much as you can to either eliminate, automate, or delegate things that are in those other three zones. Does that make
0: sense. It does. And it leads me perfectly into my next question, because I want to talk about creating your ideal week. But I know before we get there, we have to clean up some of the messes in our lives, some things that just aren't helping us move forward in a way that gives us instant momentum. So I thought we could highlight each of those key components you cover, starting with eliminate. Yeah. So what's the right way to eliminate the overload that we all feel?
1: You know, it's really interesting because there's a lot of people that are into productivity and I don't want to step on any toes here, but they're into something called getting things done. You know, it's a very popular book by by David Allen and David's a good friend of mine. I've used that methodology for more than a decade and it really can work. But we did a survey of people who had read the book and attempted to implement it. And only about 25% of the people were continuing to use it. So we said, well, why? Here's what they said. They said their lists just kept growing. And secondly, they spent more time managing their lists than actually getting the work done. And third, as a result, they felt overwhelmed. They got up in the morning, they had a to-do list that already made them feel like they'd lost the game, and then they went to bed at night. Even if they'd completed you know, 10 out of 15 things on their to-do list, they still felt like they'd failed. And so the whole premise of Eliminate is there's some stuff that should never be on your list to begin with. And the problem with GTD, from my perspective, is that it doesn't provide this filter. And the filter is the Freedom Compass, which we just went through. What are those things that are in the drudgery zone that need to come off my plate? I mean, they don't need to just be done not by me, but they may not need to be done by anyone. So what are the meetings that I'm still attending or the reports I'm still generating or the work that I'm still doing because it's familiar, but it really doesn't need to be done by anyone. And those are the things to eliminate. And the problem, Amy, for people like you and and me that are entrepreneurs, that are business owners, is that if our businesses are growing, the things that were in our drudgery zone maybe a year ago, we've gotten rid of, but now we have new things in our drudgery zone that we need to get rid of. So we constantly have to be evaluating what can we eliminate? It's really the pruning process. And for anybody who grows roses or any other kinds of flowers, you know, pruning is a key component in creating healthy, beautiful flowers. And the same is true for your life.
0: Okay. So I'm glad you brought up the idea of pruning because as an achiever, it's very hard for me to give up anything that could be driving the business forward, even just a little bit. So you talking about eliminating stuff actually makes me very nervous.
1: Well, it does for a lot of people, and this is kind of where there's a, a faith component that has to, to come in and almost an abundance mentality that you have to believe that if you prune, yes. it'll come back stronger than ever. Like I'm looking out my window right now at a whole wall full of hydrangeas, and these things are huge, and the, the blossoms are just falling over because, because they're so, I don't know, just they're blooming like crazy. Yeah. But in about two months, we'll prune those things down to about two feet tall, and we have to do that in the faith, in the confidence that they're gonna come back stronger than ever next spring. Well, the same thing is true. Like, like here's something that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. They have a client that's paying the bills. Maybe they're a high profit client, but they're also a high maintenance client and they're sucking all the air out of the room, all the resources out of the business. Everybody's trying to keep that client satisfied and they really can't be satisfied. And here's the key thing. It's taking time away from those clients that are high profit, low maintenance that could really drive your business forward. And so the courage comes in, the faith comes in, in firing that high maintenance client so you can give your best resources to your best clients and really advance your business.
0: Ooh, so very good. Okay. So with the concept of eliminating, I've heard you talk about saying yes to the right things and saying no to the wrong things. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into this idea of saying no more often. I've talked about the power of no in my own podcast. So episode number 152 was how to really make better decisions by weighing all your options inside of your own business. But I really like your take on the idea of no, because you encourage us to create a Positive no. So can you talk about that and some of the components that go into a positive no?
1: Yeah, I think that for most of us who are recovering people pleasers, and I would put myself oh, in that camp.
0: Amen. Right?
1: Amen. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint people. And so I had to figure out a way to be able to give them a positive no. And there was actually a book that I I read on this topic, and it was very helpful, but I modified it a little bit, but But here's what I do. I always want to start when I say no by affirming that person, my relationship with that person and honoring their request. So like, here's a common thing that I get. I know you get it. In fact, I just made it of you recently, but people ask me, can I endorse their book? Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to say to them, wow, I'm so honored that you ask. Thanks for asking. Awesome about your new book, whatever it is, but start with the positive. Then what I want to give is a very firm very clear, no. And I'll say, you know, unfortunately, due to the demands of my time or due to my current commitments, I'm unable to do that. So here's what I don't say. I don't say, you know, maybe I can do it later or maybe I can get to it. I don't hold out any hope. I draw a clear Ooh, line wow. in the sand. And I, I promise you, people appreciate that. Because if we're not careful, what happens is instead of actually responding to that person and giving them a clear no, We either let it sit in our inbox and don't answer, and then maybe the person pesters us, and then we get angry, and then we kind of respond in a way that's not equal to the request and say something we regret, but a lot of bad things happen from that. So the best way we can answer it is just go ahead and give them a no, and I've had people write back to me and say, thank you so much. I can handle no. What I can't handle is not knowing, and then... I finish it with something positive. So yes, no, yes is the pattern. So the yes positive in that particular example would be something like man, i can't I can't wait to read the book or I'm looking forward to the book or good luck with the book, or sometimes, and I've created these with email templates and I talk about this in the automation section, how can you take the 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 requests that you get on a routine basis, create an email template that follows that pattern and is really helpful to people so that it's kind of Your best thinking, if you could really, when you're in your best state, respond to that person and still say no, but still give them something helpful, like maybe direct them to a blog post or a podcast episode or a book that you've read or a course that you have or something that doesn't just leave them in limbo, but gives them a next step. So that's the yes, no, yes, positive, no formula.
0: So very good. I absolutely love it. Okay. So now that we've talked about eliminate and this positive, no, the next step you teach is automate. What's one tip you can give listeners to automate different areas?
1: Yeah. So most people, when they think of automation, think of technology and technology is actually only one type of automation that I teach in the course. The first one, and I think the most important one, and in fact, before we got on the, on the show today You were talking about this to me, and that is to create rituals and or routines where you no longer have to think about the sequence something happens. You just got something that sets you up to win. And I recommend, I call these kind of the the core four rituals, but a morning ritual so that when you get out of bed in the morning, you're doing the things that nurture your soul, that prepare your body, that get you in a place of peak performance so that you can really be productive during the day. Then I talk about a workday startup ritual so that when you get to the office or get into your work area, there's a set of specific things that you can do to sort of you know, clear the decks so that you can really focus and do the deep work on the things that are going to matter. And then at the end of the day, a work shutdown ritual so that you kind of have a clear boundary to the end of the day so that you can tie up the loose ends so that you don't drag that stuff into your evening so that you can't be present with your family over dinner or spending the evening with them. And then finally, an evening ritual, because the best day starts the evening before, but an evening ritual that sets you up for a productive next day.
0: Okay. So I've got to give a shout out to your full focus planner, which is your physical planner that. I am obsessed with, and I got everyone on my team to get one as well. I bought them one because I want us all to be on the same page and using the same type of system. And so again, a big shout out to your physical planner. But in it, what I love is that you actually give us space to first just write out those rituals and make sure that we know what our morning ritual is and our evening ritual, and then this workday startup and how to end your day. That to me, Michael, has just changed everything. It's like I get to ease into the morning instead of what email did I get? I need to get on Slack, who called me, whatever it might be. There is none of that. So I feel like you are changing lives with these morning rituals and these startups and the way to kind of end your day. So very good.
1: Well, and the thing that the reason we created a physical product is, and I'm a totally digital guy. I mean, for years I was all digital, but the problem is if you want to put yourself smack dab in the middle of the realm of distraction, try to do everything digital.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, and so th- that's why I like a physical planner because part of what we do in there is help you identify your big three for the day. What are your three tasks that absolutely have to get done? What your schedule is? And for most people, and we're getting reports from thousands of people back on it now It's giving them a simplicity and a focus to their day that they never had before, and they're not feeling overwhelmed. They're getting to the end of the day knowing that if they didn't get anything else done, they got the three most important things done, and they feel great about that.
0: It's so true. And then at the very end of the week, you have a few pages where you get to evaluate how the week went, what worked, what didn't work, what do you need to pull over into the next week? And then you help us plan out our weekend. I know this is a side (laughs) note, not really what we were talking about here, but plan out our weekend so we actually have that rest and relaxation and the weekend goes how we want it to go.
1: Well, it's so important. And I'm glad you brought that up, Amy, because I want to talk about it. The whole course, the free to focus course starts with a module of three lessons called stop. Now, usually when you think of productivity, you think go, you know, I don't want to get in the game. I want to do it faster. No, I'm just saying, look, blow the whistle. Let's stop the madness. Let's evaluate what we're doing. What is it that we want? And that's really where uh, we think about freedom. Where are we now? And then there's a lesson on rejuvenation. How do we take care of ourselves so that we get the rest, you know, the refreshment, the reflection the relationships, all those things that we need in order to be our, the best version of ourselves. And I can tell you, it, when people work all week long and they work through the weekend, you know, eventually their focus suffers, their productivity suffers. Because when you're not getting the rest you need, I can prove it to you scientifically, you are not gonna be as productive as you otherwise could be. So getting rest is important. But here's the problem for business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders. As they get to the weekend, and they don't know what to do with themselves. And so they just tend to drift back into work because it's familiar, they get that sense of being productive. So I said, well, what if we took the initiative to be intentional about our weekends and actually planned it so that we, so that we don't go into to a weekend with no plan and drift back into work? But instead, we've actually got positive things that express and where we can enjoy that freedom and not have to work. And boy, I hit the ground on Monday having a weekend like that in a completely different state of mind than if I'd worked through the weekend.
0: Michael, I work so many weekends. I don't work the whole weekend, but I'm always dabbling in something related to work on the weekends. But since this planner, I thought I want to totally shut that off. That's a bad habit that I don't want to get into. And I definitely see a difference. So again, kudos to you on that planner. Fantastic. Guys, I'm gonna link to it in the show notes at Amyporterfield.com forward slash 177. I want you to check it out. I especially at the time of this recording, we're gonna move into the new year soon, it's a perfect way to start the new year. But anyway, let's get back to it. So we talk about eliminate, we talk about automate. Now let's talk about delegate because you say you want 95% of your activity to be in the desire zone. So how does delegating help us get there?
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there's certain tasks that don't need to be done by any human and those can be eliminated. There are certain tasks that have to be done, but they could be done either by a machine or almost an, an unconscious way, and that's automation. But there are some tasks that have to be done by a human, but it doesn't have to be you. And that's where delegation comes in. And this is challenging for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, because, let's be honest, I mean we tend to be micromanagers. I mean, nobody can do the job as well as we can, and, and you know another common excuse I, I hear is that it takes longer to explain it than just do it myself. But if you want to see like incredible exponential growth in your business. If you want to see exponential growth in your sense of freedom and your sense of control, you have got to delegate. You've got to figure out what are the few things. And for me, it's just a couple of things. It's like actually three things that are in my desire zone and then make a point of getting rid of everything you haven't eliminated or automated that's still on your list. And so I literally say, look, here's the wrong place to start. Wrong places to start is with your resources. So you say, well, I can't afford anybody else, so I'm not even going to think about it. Wrong. You know, the money doesn't show up till you have the vision for what you want to do with the money. You know, nobody ever comes to me and and, you know, puts a big pot of money down and says, hey, see if you can spend this wisely. And yes. it doesn't work that way. But when I get clear on the vision for what I want, and in this particular case, I'm saying, what are the things that you would delegate if you could delegate? Forget about the resources and then just trust that somebody somewhere at some time is gonna show up to do that. Getting the clarity is the most important thing first. Then your mind will begin to go to work about how to resource it. So that's how I try to get people to think about it because delegation is huge. It's one of the most important aspects of growing your business. That's why, like I I thought when I left the corporate world, I'll just be a solopreneur. You know, that just sounded kind of romantic. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Until I realized I was booking my travel. I was working through all my email. I was trying to find the FedEx box and I didn't have a clue as to where it was. And I was spending all this time in my drudgery zone on things that I hated. And those are not, that's not why I was put into the world. And those are not the things that are going to advance my business or give me the kind of life that I want to live. I've got to be able to delegate.
0: Ah, oh, So true. Now, what if a lot of my listeners are just starting out? So they might have a 10 hour a week VA, but not much more than that. So what if that's the case? What's one small step they could take right now to delegate more?
1: Yeah. So that's exactly how I started. So when I left the corporate world, it was just me overwhelmed. I thought, you know, I, gosh, I hate to spend the money for a VA, but maybe I can afford to get one. And I started with like five hours a week. Literally, I, I hired an agency and did it five hours a week. And that lasted for two weeks. And I thought, oh my gosh, this freed up five hours for me to focus on income producing activities. Mm. So what if I went to 10 hours a week? So I did that after two weeks. And then after a month, we went. I went to 20 hours a week and I was getting an, a significant return on my investment. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. We had a mastermind here. I guess it was a couple of years ago it was when I was leading. And one of the guys in the mastermind, he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing all my own web development. And he said, you know, I'm okay at it. I'm not great at it. I can hack through it, but I just, I can't afford a web developer. So one of the guys said to him, he said, um, how much do you think you make an hour? And so I, I don't remember exactly what the number was, but let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, he said it was $150 an hour. He said, well, okay, so now let me ask you a question. Would you pay a less than great, maybe average web developer $150 an hour? And he said, heck no, absolutely (laughs) not. And he said, "We already are. Uh, And that's exactly right. And so for a lot of us, whether it's bookkeeping or some of these other things, you know, we're paying a very, very high price because we're paying ourselves and there's certain things that only we can do. And generating income are the places that's the place where we need to be focusing our attention when we're in the beginning stages of our business. And that's why delegation is so essential. Now, I don't believe in going into debt for it, I don't believe in stretching yourself too thin. But I do think you've got to know, have that list of things I will delegate at my first opportunity. And I like pushing my VAs and continuing to give them more and more higher level stuff. They can do a lot more than you think.
0: Mm, So very true. That's a great lesson. They can do a lot more than you think. And as entrepreneurs, it's so easy for us to hold on to everything. We think that we know the best way to do it. Not true. I love your example of the web developer. So very good. Okay. So I think we're ready to get into creating our ideal week. So what's the concept all about? And can you break down the different stages that go into the ideal week?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Okay so let's now say that you've got you know what your activities are in your desire zone and you know this is this is a journey you know it's not going to happen overnight but you're going to increasingly do more things in your desire zone and less things in your drudgery zone the way you do that is that you schedule it and what gets scheduled gets done and the concept of the ideal week is this if i had total control of my calendar total control of my commitments how would i like my calendar to look So, for example, before I did this, and I've been doing this for more than a decade, before I did this, I would have meetings showing up at all different times during the week. Now, I'm an introvert, and so what that means is that it takes energy when I'm in a situation in a meeting. And so, I would. it seemed like I would just get focused on some work that was really taking some serious think time, and I'd have a meeting. It would yank me out of that zone where I'm trying to think and be productive, and I'd go have the meeting, and it would take me a while to get back into it again. And so, I thought, hmm, What if I batched my meetings so that there were only days that I would take meetings and other days it would be completely free to do client work, you know, really do the things that were in my desire zone. So that was like a huge breakthrough. So that's what I suggest people to do. And think of time really in three different categories. There's first of all, front stage time. This is when you're performing, doing the things that generate revenue or deliver the results for which you were hired if you're working for somebody else. That's front stage time. So for me, right now, talking to you, this is front stage time. I'm performing. Backstage time is everything you do to get ready for that front stage time. So maybe, you know, in our case, Amy, it would be preparing a slide deck for a webinar or going to a conference like SCORE where we learn, you know, better speaking techniques or anything that's the preparation that leads us to that to give better performances when we're on, on front stage. And then there's offstage time. Some people don't know that there's a stage or that there's any place that's outside of the theater of work. And offstage, we've talked about that plenty here, but the offstage time has to be built into your ideal week. So with those three kinds of times, how are you going to map out in a sort of a a batching way when your front-stage time is gonna be, when your backstage time is gonna be, and when your offstage time is gonna be? And so I just create a simple weekly calendar template and then literally go through and put in the blocks as though I had 100% control and I had no pre-existing commitments. Does this make sense? It does, so good. So, and and I actually theme it. So there's time that I have, for example, you know, I'll have the themes like the, the front stage, backstage, and off stage. Those are like specific days are given to those things. But then if you look at kind of the horizontal look at that, you know, the mornings are pretty much personal time. And then I have the work time through the bulk of the day. And then I have evening time for family and I have, you know, all day Saturday and all day Sunday for my offstage time. And most of that's family, but there's church and other things that go on during the weekend too. Now, once you get that, it gets very exciting. Like it was huge for me as an introvert to move all of my internal meetings to Monday and all of my external meetings to Friday. That left me Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday to really focus on either backstage or front stage, but the things where I was uninterrupted and could really do the deep work that was gonna matter. And so again, that was huge. And then once you get that idea week, sort of the next step is share it with your team so that they can support you and they're not unwittingly undermining you. And then also be easy on yourself and realize that, I mean, even for me, I've been doing this, as I said, for more than a decade, I very rarely have an ideal week that actually matches up or I have a week that matches up to my ideal week. There's always some twist, but without that, it would be chaos. It gives me a pattern or a template, something to work toward.
0: Oh, so very true. I want all my listeners to see my ideal week, just to get a sense of what it looks like. So I went through free to focus and Michael gets into all of this in so much more detail. So you really make some good decisions and ask yourself some smart questions to move into the perfect ideal week for you. And so if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 177, I will actually have a graphic there of my ideal week so you get a sense of it. But I'm curious, Michael, with your ideal week, do you spend more time in the front stage or backstage?
1: Actually, I spend the most time in the backstage.
0: That's what I was thinking. That
1: me too. Yeah, because I'm I'm preparing like, like if I do a a webinar, like I'll be doing for free to focus here in a couple of weeks, or I don't know what the time this is going to be released, but it's soon. Um, I'll spend a ton of time in the preparation. Mm -hmm. But then obviously a webinar, you know, is a very short performance and yeah, you know, the preparation is probably seven to one.
0: Yeah, for me too as well. So I wanted you guys to see an example of that. Now, my final question here, Michael, is around this ideal week in the sense that, I created mine and I gave it to my team and I actually spent hours doing this. I was with my project manager, Chloe, and we we chose a weekend to do it so we wouldn't be disturbed. I know we're getting away from that. But ironically, we made our ideal week on the weekend and we mapped it all out for me personally. And then I went right into a big project with a tight deadline. And I feel like my ideal week was like a joke. Like it just melted away and wasn't even there. And I'm guessing that I know it's never going to be perfect, but there's got to also be a sense of this becomes a habit or you're very intentional. Like I definitely feel like I easily just moved away from it. And what do I do about that?
1: I think the key Amy is, is really to, to give to your executive assistant as much control as, as you possibly can. Cause where I get into trouble is when I start to run my calendar
0: ah, good because,
1: point. because here's what happens. I don't know. This probably didn't happen for you, but what happens to me is if somebody asks me for a request again, as a recovering people pleaser, I want to say yes. And I usually won't pay attention to my ideal week because I'm trying to accommodate them and I'm not keeping the context in mind of yes. everything else I've got to do. But if I let Jim, my assistant do that, he always looks as a reference to the ideal week. And so somebody's requesting a meeting and they say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to be in town on Wednesday and Thursday. Could I meet with Michael Holland there?" And he's like, "Oh, man, you know what? He's already committed on those days. Is there any possibility you could meet on Friday?" "Well, yeah, I guess I could stay over and and have breakfast with him." So Jim is pushing things into those parts of my ideal week that already have been allotted for those kinds of activities where I would never do that. I would feel like I'm being you know, too high maintenance. Jim doesn't have any of that. He didn't care.
0: I, I love that. I love Jim's way of handling it because it's so much more productive than if I were just to take it over. So that's a really great point. Now, I said we were going to wrap it up, but I do have one more question. And okay. that is... I was thinking about how you run your business and the different systems and processes that you use, but also I was curious about your favorite productivity tools, because I know in the beginning, we talked about all these tools could actually turn out to be a distraction for us, but I'm assuming there are a few that are really valuable for you.
1: Yeah, there definitely are. And I will say this, that the calendar is kind of the hub of everything. And so in my company, we use Google Calendar but I use a Mac and I use a program called Fantastical and it's just got some other features that I I really like. And we have layered calendars and all that. And then for my task management, even though I use a physical planner, I don't try to keep everything in my physical planner. I use a hybrid system. So I use a task management tool in order to to store all my tasks, but only three of those are going to make its way into my full focus planner for today. Nice. So I'm currently using, for a long time I've used uh, Nozbe, N-O-Z-B-E. I still love that program, but some of my team is using Todoist. Oh. And so that's the one I'm using right now. But I'm going to tell you a little secret. I got asked this in our private Facebook group for Free to Focus the other day. If you eliminate, automate, and delegate, you're not going to have that many tasks to manage. You're not going to have these unbelievably long lists and multiplication of lists, your life is going to get a lot simpler. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter what task manager you use. I agree. You could use a legal pad. Yes. And it just, it it makes a huge difference.
0: So very true. So very true. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I can't let you go before we talk about your upcoming free masterclass, the seven deadly sins of productivity The Hidden Habits Undermining Your Performance and How to Change Them. I am going to be on this webinar live. I cannot wait till you do it. So tell us a little bit about what we'll learn because I want my audience to sign up and learn what I've been so obsessed with lately, diving into all of your strategies and systems.
1: Okay, so here's the deal. There are a lot of things that we've learned about productivity that are actually keeping us unproductive. So, for example, I'll just give you one of the the deadly sins is thinking that we can skimp on rest or skimp on our meals, you know, like work through lunch. I just got to stay focused on this thing, or I'm going to get a couple up a couple hours early. That's counterproductive. And I go into that in depth. And one of the things that I do in the webinar that I think is really helpful is I go to the science. What does the science teach us about productivity? There's been a lot of work done on brain science about our own psychology, even our physiology, how that helps us to be more productive. And so many times we're working against the science and it makes us less productive, more overwhelmed, more discouraged, and we feel like a hamster in a wheel. My commitment is to help people get off that hamster wheel and start making real progress where they've got some air to breathe, breathing room, where they feel like, you know, that they're they're in control and they're experiencing freedom.
0: Perfect. You guys, you got to sign up for this absolutely free. Michael's going to be there live. It's amyporterfield.com forward slash focus, and it will take you directly to his free webinar. So amyporterfield.com forward slash focus. Michael, thank you so very much for being here today. I absolutely love having you on the show.
1: Thanks, Amy. You're always a delight.
0: So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. I absolutely love talking to Michael. And I want to remind you that I have posted a snapshot of my ideal week. So if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 177, you will see my ideal week. Now, here's the deal. It took me a few hours to create, and I used his program free to focus in terms of the principles of eliminate automate, delegate, but also some special nuances that he teaches in the program to really nail down your ideal week, a week you're actually going to stick to and you're going to find a lot of freedom with it. So it's very individual for each of us, but at least you'll have a place to start if you see my snapshot and then you can build yours from there. But I highly recommend his program free to focus because it's helped me immensely, even beyond the ideal week, just how I approach my work, the decisions that. That I make, what I say yes to, what I say no to. I've really changed the way I'm approaching things because of this program. And so he's going to talk about it in his free webinar. So amyporterfield.com forward slash focus will take you to his free webinar. Even if you don't want to sign up for his program, watch the webinar. You're going to have so many takeaways and insights to help you build more freedom into your business that you don't want to miss it. And come on, who doesn't love a free webinar by someone like Michael Hyatt, who I know has spent hours and hours preparing so that no matter if you buy or not, you walk away feeling excited and inspired and driven to take action. Those are my favorite webinars to get on, and I will definitely be there too. So amyporterfield.com forward slash focus, and you're good to go. All right, guys. So I can't wait to connect with you again next week. Next week's episode is all about what's working right now with list building and social media. So we got some good episodes coming up. I can't wait to share them with you. I'll see you here again next week. Bye for now.